You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit PipelinePlus.com. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Acker, and today our guest is Roberto Pont, who is the Chief Strategy and Operations Officer at McKinnis Cooper. Roberto, great to have you with us. David, thank you very much for the invitation. So you came to McKinnis Cooper with a different mindset from most law firms. Tell us about your background. Sure. So I started out my career in the big four, uh, across a number of them, actually, and uh, that was in the UK. It was I trained as a, an accountant originally with a financial services background, and then over time transitioned into the advisory side of the house and did a lot of diligence work, which took me to Toronto. My focus there was infrastructure and supporting a lot of the pension funds with our investments in South America. I am fluent in Spanish, that's why. Um, and then an opportunity came up really to start to get involved in the operational side of the business at a big four, KPMG specifically. And law firms traditionally, you know, haven't necessarily uh, gone out to market for, for that skill set. And uh, this firm I'm with, McGuinness Cooper, were different, certainly in that sense, in looking at uh, trying to bring in a skill set that they didn't have in-house. And that's how I ended up here. So you bring finance, consulting, sales, infrastructure, operations, all of this to the table. And to your point, those aren't necessarily backgrounds that you'll find very common at law firms. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you were bringing to the firm when you first joined. I'm pointing specifically to MC Reimagined, which we talked about a little bit, and the, the pillars that are related to it. So the three pillars originally started out as a business growth focus, and that's really uh, a product of the market sizing analysis and assessment that I had the team do. But when we talked about it as a firm-wide management team, I certainly uh, learned from that experience and realized that the firm valued engagement as a real component. And there's no reason why a plan can't have multiple goals. And so we built an engagement and then quickly realized that without innovation, we were probably likely dead in the water. And so you've ended up with this three-pronged plan with three ambitions, each of them with a defined goal set that is measurable in order to confirm whether we've achieved that over five years. Uh, and so there is a specific business growth number. There is a desire to be recognized as the most inclusive law firm in Canada. And there is a desire to be recognized as the most innovative law firm in North America. Uh, they sound quite grandiose. Um, there was a lot of intense debate about whether or not I had my head screwed on right at the time. Um, but a lot of the lawyers have seen the value of having these aspirational goals, because if we get anywhere near them, we will have certainly achieved a great deal of change. I really want to double click on the word innovation. Law firms throw that word around a lot, but I don't see a lot of firms doing things that are truly that innovative at the end of the day. And um, there are some very good reasons for that. You know, it, it is a, an industry based on precedent. It's an industry that tends to have a lot of skeptical decision makers at the helm. 
So um, talk to us a little bit about what you've seen in terms of challenges in bringing forward true innovation and how you've managed to overcome this. Sure. If we start out with the genesis of the problem statement, I think it was what I articulated before. Let's clear down that balance sheet and PL every year and start again. I mean, how on earth you can carry through material change in the long term is sort of beyond me. And so we really tackled that component. And we did so by ensuring that there was consistency in the budget. So when we did that five-year plan, when we looked at innovation, we had a five-year plan for innovation as well, built in certainly from a budgetary perspective. We had to build out what it meant as a business plan as we went along. But from a budgetary perspective, we certainly had a view on what we would need. And we challenged the numbers. We put numbers that we knew would horrify certain people. But you have to realize that once you get into it, the rate of spend can increase quite significantly. So that was that was a, a component. And then what I find is uh, there's the sort of lawyer mindset as well. And uh, again, you go back to Genesis on that and you say, well, the lawyers are, are schooled from day one. And not, not all of them are the same. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to broad brush. But generally speaking, you know, law is about practicing a technical skill set and you either get it right or, or you get it wrong, you either win or you lose. And not many of our lawyers were accustomed to trying something and putting it out there. Um, there is a tendency of, I'm going to hold on to this until it's 100% correct. I'm not going to let go of it. And you have to get them accustomed to try letting go of it at 80% and see if it works and see if it can be tweaked and then going back from that. Um, and then the final piece was, you know, I, I'm going to get involved in this, but I'm not compensated for it, you know, um, and the longevity piece really hurts this. So to your point, I've got my targets and my goals. I spent time trying this innovation project. I got to the end of the year. I didn't make my goals. Therefore, I'm not interested. It didn't work for me. Thank you. Goodbye. Innovation doesn't work in a year. I assure you, your mindset and your ability to think through things doesn't change in a year. That's such a great example, Roberto, is that there's one thing that lawyers don't like is to be in a situation where they feel underprepared, where they feel like they don't have all the information they need to make an informed decision. So to help them map out, okay, here's scenario A, here's scenario B, here's scenario C, so that they really do feel like they have some agency in terms of steering the craft in whatever direction makes the most sense based on how the innovation starts to play out, what the results actually are. Yeah, that's right. And I, I just want to touch on that uh, kind of lawyer, non-lawyer mindset as well, which is so present in many of the law firms that I've talked to or visited. And it's one thing that we really try and deal with here to suggest that there is an elite and a non-elite seems to me a little bit ridiculous. And we've made uh, great strides in breaking down those barriers and enabling the lawyers to realize that they don't know it all. I know that sounds quite crazy, but they really don't. And that in taking expertise in the different areas and putting it together to recombine is where you get some real fantastic output. And now we're seeing it at a client service level. Um, and a real indicator of success, David, is the number of lawyers who are now discreetly coming to specific individuals in the IT department or in the marketing and business development department to talk about, I have this client with this issue. I think we could do it differently. I heard about it. Can you help me? Um, and a key component has been 
we certainly don't try and ram anything down anyone's throat, but we have communication mechanisms where on a cadence, very frequent cadence, we keep reminding our lawyers, we had this success, we did things differently. We bring them together at reunions and we have partners, lawyers talk about that experience, talk about how it benefited them and their client relationship and ultimately got to a good outcome for everyone involved. I am absolutely 100% with you. We all bring something of value to the table and to the extent that the organizations we work for are able to recognize that there is a uh, variety of contributions that ultimately contribute to the whole you have a much healthier culture and obviously a much uh, better environment for things like innovation and brainstorming. I'm curious about the specific innovations that you've been able to engender through this process so far. Uh, when we were preparing for this call, you talked about things like productization, uh, value billing models, pricing models. Give us a little bit of uh, color on some of those innovations. Sure. So uh, those, those are good examples of the client-facing uh, components. And uh, I'll give you an example of where one of our lawyers came to us and said, I think we have an opportunity to really help our client in the public spe sector space with a volume issue. They have a series of decisions that they make. And if they are not accepted, they go to review. How can you help us? And so I've got to caveat that the the client in this case was extremely innovative as well. So this is a mutual successful outcome. It certainly wasn't just driven by us, but we enabled it by putting our own IT department on it to help build a um, very simple interface where you could see all of those uh, decisions coming in, who they were allocated to, how fast they were being reviewed, how fast they were being elevated in the case that they weren't simple outcomes and how fast they were being delivered back to the client. It enables the client to get comfort that they have the right team on their account uh, where decisions were a bit slow. They would you know, raise that to us and we were able to deal with it quite quickly, whether that's removing the wrong person off the team or providing additional training, but also ultimately give visibility on how these uh, uh, decisions were progressing, how fast they were progressing and why there was value for money with our ultimate pricing. Uh, and then sort of fast forward with another client, we were able to take the same logic and apply it to a slightly different problem statement in the real estate space, be able to deliver uh, a solution, a volume solution to them far faster than what we've done in the past, where you could consider that a typical commercial real estate file could take up to three months to clear the process. We have unfortunately a very archaic uh, record system uh, on our government side in many of our provinces, we were able to narrow that down to three weeks turnaround time. And we value build on that basis, right? Because you're guaranteeing an outcome to your client uh, and you're able to deliver on that. And I think clients really value that. And I've got to be careful, but in this case, the client indicated very clearly that speed was of the essence for them. It's um, difficult today to have a conversation about innovation without touching on AI. Yeah, it is indeed a very hot topic right now. Uh, our approach so far has, to, has been to uh, educate our members. Um, we have a partner who is a sort of quasi head of innovation yet to be announced, I suppose. And he certainly took all of our members through the nuances, uh, some of the benefits, some of the disadvantages and some of the warning signs.
I'll start out by saying we encourage our members to use it. You should play around with tools. You should familiarize yourself with how they work and, and how they could work for you. We are very clear that you are not to put client information into that. Absolutely not. Right now, we have no confidence and no comfort on data security. And even those who are experiment, uh, experimenting in sandboxes that I've talked to have talked about, you know, ultimately there's a reliance on the ultimate uh, provider as to the fact that they're not looking at your data. So even they're expressing concern. However, the way I'd summarize it, David, is I actually think it's going to be a revolutionary tool when it is fixed. I think there are law firms that can play in that space now because they have the money. I think there are other law firms in the small to medium size that won't be able to play in that space because they don't have the funding to do so. However, I think if we all look at it as access to an associate who needs to be trained, who needs to be checked uh, and their work verified, but who can do it in a tenth of the time that a true associate could do it in, I think if you keep that mindset, you will get some really interesting outcomes. And certainly on the business operations side of this business, we've encouraged our people to use the tool to enable their output. Always and when they don't use confidential information, they use it perhaps to help them re-articulate a paragraph in a certain voice or style uh, and keep iterating it to see if it can come up with a better outcome. Uh, we've looked at chat GPT principally, but we're also in the, believing that the Bing tool is actually a very good one and we'll certainly be uh, looking very, very fast into what the capabilities are in the Microsoft suite of tools when they finally bring out their offering. Yeah. That's a very forward thinking and forward leaning position. Uh, and I think it's a smart one. We can't just put our head in the sand and pretend this technology doesn't exist or to paralyze our experimentation and familiarization with it until some, until it's fixed. We'll definitely be the laggards uh, in the race if we take that position. And if there's a firm listening right now that's really struggling with innovation, what would step one be from your perspective? Sure. I mean, breaking it down into its smaller components, I think you have to look at, is there someone or some people in your firm that are expressing a desire to push this forward? Do they believe in it? And are, are they excited by it? Uh, I would harness that energy. I would not worry about making sure you're trying to transform the entire firm. That will never happen. You will not succeed. But take those discrete individuals, work closely with them, explore what their ideas are, and then challenge yourselves by asking yourselves continuously, why can't we do this? Why couldn't we do it this way, right? Of course, without funding, you're never going to get there. So you really, as a firm, have to look good and hard at your own budgetary process and see, can we make funding available? And can we make it available in a manner in which it can be distributed quickly? And so that then brings about, you know, what is your governance around it that is sufficiently nimble uh, but also provides a little bit of comfort to the other partners because after all, they are partners. They are owners in the firm. You have a fiduciary duty to them to make sure that we're not wasting their money. Do you have a mechanism that ensures that they are happy 
that you have done the right thing and put the money to the right place, but also then that sort of feedback mechanism that allows you to report back and say, do you know what? It didn't work, but it's okay. It didn't work because of these things. Next time we do it, we're going to make sure we don't make the same mistakes. And I think that is probably the hardest bit. I think the lawyer mindset has always been one of perfection, as we've discussed here, and being able to overcome the fact that something didn't go precisely to plan and the outcome wasn't precisely as it was written in, you know, two years ago on the 3rd of uh, March in that one document you wrote, to be able to overcome that is an important step. And then just keep doing it. Keep failing, keep failing fast. And we hear it so many times, until you do it, you really don't understand what that means. I encourage people to do so. So you need champions, you need funding, you need to align with leadership and politics at the firm. You need a feedback mechanism so you can regularly measure progress. You need to message that a little progress is enough uh, and it doesn't have to be a home run every time and you need persistence. David, you summed it up perfectly. Well, I uh, so appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today, Roberto, and, and they are easy to sum up and, and crystallize because you've made such a clear case for innovation at a law firm and demonstrated how you've been able to help drive that at McKenna's Cooper. No problem at all. David, thank you for the invitation. It was great to be on your program. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit PipelinePlus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.